Welcome back to Bob Talk with Talia Little. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners on which I'm recording on today. So I'm on Bunurong country um, in Victoria. And what are you on, Kevin? I'm on Wajak um, Noongar country. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, just want to acknowledge all of our ancestors and all of our young people coming up in the music industry since we've got you on today. And yeah, just acknowledge that sovereignty is defeated. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, um, I'd also like to just acknowledge the Wajak um, Noongar people, which is the country yeah, I was I was fortunate to uh, be born on and growing, growing up. But um, my family ties back to um, Kalgoorlie region, like Wangatha country. Um, so my family's language is Matawonga, which is just one of the language groups within the Wongatha um, group. So, wow, yeah. so did you grow up on Noongar country? Yeah, I grew up in, in Kelmscott, um, Armadale, so ghetto suburbs. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, on, on Noongar country. Um, WA just seems so beautiful. I've been meaning to get down there or up there. Yeah, okay. sideways. Yeah. Sideways, so, yeah. just that way. I'm not good at yeah. the whole northeast, southwest. Yeah. Thing. So I'm just like WA. Yeah, it seems beautiful. I've actually got um, I recently did a documentary with SBS um, and the director Gary Hamaguchi. I don't know. You probably don't know him, but um, he's actually he's from WA and he, him and his missus were from there and they were just showing me all the photos and it was just it was just amazing. Yeah, it's gorgeous. It's um, where definitely yeah, I think we're the most isolated capital city in the world, but. What? Um, yeah, something like that. I'm, what does that even I, mean? <laughs> means that I think like our vicinity to another capital city is is like, um, I mean, it, we definitely it definitely feels like that sometimes. Where WA is mm. quite spread out, you know, um, but at the same time, the city and the culture is quite uh, quite small. Like everyone kind of knows everyone, and you're only really two people away from someone. So you can really form a connection with, with people really quickly, which is great. So I guess that's as well, like with being black these days, it's so easy to connect with other Aboriginal people through social media. And like, you only have to be like, Oh, well, I want to do this. And then you connect with that person who knows that person. And it's kind of like a really small, but big community in Australia now. For sure. Yeah. Which is so nice. Instagram. Yeah. Instagram has really opened that door up. I think it's made it really accessible to, like connect with other mobs like you know there's i guess being in a capital city you've just got people from all sort of parts of the state but um having that instagram uh there at your fingertips you can connect with kimberly mob and like mob from down south and you know so many people yeah it's really really it's uh yeah it's amazing and especially like for me um in the dj world there's not that many of us i guess many mobs sort of DJing in Perth. So I look, I get a lot of like inspiration from, you know, um, from the mob over the East, like, and I can connect and sort of, uh, really understand the world over there through Instagram, which is something that I don't know. Yeah. It's really powerful. You know? Well, yeah, that was what I was kind of like when I saw you on Instagram. So I kind of have a bit of a passion for, I guess the music and art scene, I'd say, because although I'm from the Northern territory, I, probably grew up all my teenage years in, you know, Nam and I was going out and I was in this scene. And only when I started mob talk, I realized like when I met Paul Gorry, do you know who Paul Gorry is? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's super sick. He's one of my friends now, but, um, I met yeah. him and I said to him, I actually had no idea there was Aboriginal 
DJs because I'd go out and I'd be in this big techno scene and go to festivals and it was mainly male and white. And I just didn't even know that Aboriginal people, not that we couldn't DJ, but that we were there in those scenes. And he kind of said to me, we are here. We're, we're just not being booked enough and stuff like that. And in WA, like, what's that like for you? It's yeah, it's interesting. I think they're just like, there's a few problems, I guess, like there's not many of us to start with. So there's that representation issue, like, um, just having, having more that are DJs and want to DJ and especially in the, um, like the techno underworld culture, you know, it's pretty niche in a sense. That's why I guess it's kind of underground. Um, it's just really alternative. So just, there's all those different factors. Um, but also, yeah, making space for Aboriginal people to come into those things. Cause it's, you know, majority white modular, um, run and, um, curated and like the ideas based around, you know, um, I don't know, this very like stripped back version of like what sort of where the culture really came from, which was like, you know, Chicago house and like New York and yeah. like, it was kind of built off that really underground, dirty, raw scene. And yeah, there's been, I guess that transition into sort of gen not gentrifying it, but, um, yeah, just not really acknowledging that culture where it was sort of was based from. And, um, it's been, yeah, it's been interesting. Like the last couple of years, especially here in Burley, like there's been a lot of, um, black run events pop up and start to take space back, like the African community, um, and just black people of all different cultures have sort of started to actually really, yeah, force um some more diversity on the scene on force those spaces yeah which has been really nice like and it's filled this void of like these very like you know white run um party party type of events where there's no real like thought behind creating a safe space or um you know having a bit more of an organic sort of vibe um to the to the event where it kind of uh yeah it invites um, black people to come. Yeah. So, you know, like when I see like, like a warehouse event where it's all white people and it's just like, cool. Like I'd probably go, um, you know, cause I love techno and all that sort of stuff, but it's not that welcoming. It's not that inviting. And it doesn't feel like a place that, especially someone like myself or other mob, um, it doesn't really feel like it's a place for them. And oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I guess I started DJing and really pushing that diversity as, as, as a way to like bring some visibility to those spaces and, and show other mob that, yeah, like these spaces are just as much yours and, and they should be more yours because, you know, this sort of sound was built off like black culture, um, overall really, you know, mm, absolutely. Yeah. Do you feel like, I'm actually doing a lot of research into this kind of a topic now. Did you see the Sugar Mountain lineup? Yeah, oh, I was speaking. Yeah, I was actually chatting to Paul the other day just briefly about it, but I did see his post go up and yeah, soju game for something. Yeah, else. every yeah. it's it's been pretty big, and I mean it's really powerful that we have social media, I guess, now to be able to call those. I don't. Would you call them companies, organizations? 
promoters maybe promoters all that we can call those people out but it's pretty like i live in i live here i want to be able to go out i want to experience the same things everyone else can but it's like you want to be able to do that in a safe way and i don't know have you have you been to melbourne much i've been there a few times yeah um yeah last time i was there i had went to a pretty sick rave on the Yarra river which is dope oh sick (laughs) Um, yeah no i've been there a couple of times i used to go there every year when i was younger like like clockwork like hit summer and i'm like i'm going to melbourne for a week yeah melbourne's i I love it here yeah (laughs) Yeah. but um we have this place called section eight and they have like a big aboriginal flag up they have they have black nights where they have all black djs or afro beats and it's such a safe i feel like it's a safe space to be in as a person of color or if you're queer or just anyone like white but anyone's welcome there and it's just so inclusive and to see a festival a day festival that it's pretty big in melbourne um book no one no aboriginal people it's kind of like oh well what does that say yeah no 100 percent. like it's not in this like I don't know, it's, your, it's the responsibility of a promoter to create that diversity and not focus so much on curating, like, I don't know. Yeah, it just, there should be more responsibility on them to to do that. And I was really glad when that, um, when we called those people out, especially like someone, you know, Sugar Mountain is quite big and Boiler Room, especially like, they're huge oh, yeah. and, and so they, yeah like there should be more um accountability for sure so it's really good to see i guess i was chatting to paul and I, I i don't know i was just kind of bringing up this topic of like i mean i i like to have these conversations and stuff but it feels i have this complex where it's like oh you should be put like more aboriginal djs especially in perth where there's not many um it's like i don't want them to i don't want people to be like nah always book me or you know or you know the other like fella here but it's like um i don't know it's yeah it's it's i think maybe now i'm starting to um focus more in on training like scouting for aboriginal people that are keen to dj and bringing them into the industry so that we can create more more representation oh absolutely and i think that's so important like if you can see it you can be it kind of thing and getting that into young people's heads if they're going to an event or they're seeing an aboriginal dj at these events it kind of puts them in places that go oh hang on like that actually can be me like i'm not just i don't just have to fall into this not saying that other jobs are mundane but i can go out and be creative and use my culture as a source of a musical tool and stuff like that yeah so how did you how did you get into this like how did you get into djing you're 29, you're uh, DJ, you do triple J mixes. I've seen you, you did something with M- NMT. So you won an award as well. Yeah. Oh, I just, yeah, it's been like pretty interesting in my life. I've just kind of jumped at things and opportunities that have come my way. But, um, I don't know, like I come from, I mean, I got into DJing through listening to dubstep, unfortunately. <laughs> um, so a couple of, yeah, like five years ago, I used to go to like the spa here in, in Burlu, um, every second Saturday and just go listen to some heavy warbs. Um, but I was making hip hop music as well at that time. So I had like a bit of a hip hop crew and I was producing beats like for them, um, kind of 
ran that course and just had a couple of years of just, you know, mucking around, um, fell out of love with the music. Um, and then kind of started, I had a friend that had some decks and I just got back into like DJing dubstep. And then I was hanging out with like my friend, Cameron Park here in Perth. And he was throwing an event at, um, uh, Scarborough sort of El Grotto. So it's just this like little cocktail bar on the side of the ocean. Um, and I was just like really into techno. I was getting into like really left field sort of house music, really heavy glitchy stuff. And this bar was very like loungy, like cafe vibes. And I was like, oh, are you sure? He just asked me to play it like this event that he was running. Um, and I was like, oh, I haven't DJed in years, whatever. I'll just give it a go. Um, went there and I just played like the heaviest techno, just was not the vibe at all. <laughs> and I remember some, some lady came up to me and she was like, can you just play something with um, vocals? And I was like, yeah, sure, no worries. And I just like picked the hardest track I could find. And I just like dropped it, <laughs> dragged the bass up and I was like, suck on that. <laughs> anyway. You hate it when people come up uh, and ask you, <laughs> you to like play a certain tune or play music when you're a DJ? Yeah, we don't, well, yeah. I, it hasn't happened too much, to be honest. Um, most of the gigs that play, it's, I can kind of just do whatever I want. And that's just like, that's the vibe. But yeah, no, I hate it. It's the worst. <laughs> um, so yeah, I just left there and I was like, I'm never going to get booked again. Like, <laughs> um, and then just, yeah, slowly started to, um, be offered a few opportunities and, and fell into that. And then really actually started to enjoy it. Like, I mean, I always have loved DJing. Um, it's, it's just a really good way to share music that I love and a really good, well, yeah, I, I love digging for music. I love digging for artists, learning labels, like just that sort of things, just scouring the internet's full sorts of really cool stuff. I love that process. Um, and then I just, yeah, I just kept saying yes to gigs and, um, like ended up playing a couple of like new year's gigs and it just kind of started to get some traction, I guess. And I never really like, even to this day, I think DJing is, is great, but it's kind of like anyone can DJ like, and that's what I'm like, it's just, you know, um, I don't know. <laughs> I just try not to take it too seriously. If you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, but it's also, but now I'm, I'm starting to use like that position that I have and there's opportunities where I've been able to like play for triple J or get on a national sort of, um, get to a national audience and sort of talk about who I am and my culture and, and show other mob that you can kind of just play whatever you want and you're not really locked into anything. And, and, there's opportunities there for more mob to come in and, and fill those spaces and do what I do. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Is the music scene big in WA? It's pretty, like, yeah, it's for a small city. Like it's, there's a lot of stuff happening, which is really good. There's, there's a lot of really solid crews that are pushing for diversity of all forms, like females into the industry and, um, yeah, just people of color from all, all places. There's a lot of really good and interesting things happening. Um, there's warehouse gigs, like, I don't know, I, I spent a lot of time in the underground scene. So, um, yeah. you know, just the warehouses and, um, you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. It's, it's good. It's, it's been really interesting. I feel like it's an watch. exciting time. Yeah. Just, I guess for me, I've only been DJing like two years and I've seen just a lot of really really great change within the Perth industry. Um, and that's 
that's come from a lot of like, there's a um, organization here called Soul Alphabet and a sort of um, African-based um, community music event, DJ workshops. They've done a lot of like workshops where promoters from all sorts of the spectrum will come in and do some training on how to create more of a safe space. And um, Wow, so that, what's that called? It's called Soul Alphabet. Soul uh, Alphabet. Yeah, run by Amazing Person, um, Linda. Um, they're just, yeah, amazing. Their team is, is super cool, but they've been running free workshops to get more people of color into the industry. Um, See, that is so cool. Yeah, like, do they that do is anything so cool. like that in NAM? Oh, I mean, I'm sure there's a couple of things out there, but because of COVID, I think everything was kind of put on hold. Yeah. But I know Paul was talking about like doing some DJ stuff. And out, so I work for, so the podcast is under an organization called VACA, which yeah. is the Victorian Aboriginal Childcare Agency. So we were even talking about, because I'm previously a youth worker, but getting DJs in to teach the kids how to mix and how to use music. Because we have another guy called Henry Fosters. Yeah. That's his name. He's also a DJ, um, but kind of starting to run programs like that. So getting kids out of the out-of-home care system, but giving them tools for other things yeah, rather nice. than just, you know, go to school, do this. That's important too, but here are some tools that you can use that, you know, are different to those other things because school and study doesn't always work for people as well. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, like, it's, it is a really good tool, like DJing just to connect people to be at parties and, and know that you're you've got an hour to share music to this party and like you know um yeah it's such a i run like uh spray paint workshops as well and that's also another way to like you run like, spray paint workshops yeah well i do yeah what? because well, i've got all sorts of things um that i've kind of done i haven't done any recently but it's was something that i used to do before i sort of run um, my business at the moment but yeah like super Super cool just to like give the kid a can, they're like 12 or something and you just like go over there and like give them a board and just let them, you know, half an hour later, they come back with this crazy piece of like wacky abstract art or whatever. <laughs> but like the expression that they have and like the energy that they, they bring back, like just being able to express themselves in a different form, like, which I think- Absolutely. You know, any kind it's, of this- Yeah, it's um, so exciting, isn't it? Yeah, like, you know, for me, words aren't my strong point, like communication um, isn't my forte using my words, but I love to use like art and um, DJing is another form that I love to tell stories essentially. Like I try and some, some mixes I try and curate like a bit of a story or an energy um, or yeah, use visual arts to kind of convey like a message that I necessarily sometimes can't articulate, I guess. And that's something that I'm trying to, I would love to like find those people that, you know, especially like a lot of our mob, like we have, you know, we come from different backgrounds, speak different languages or are dealing with different things within their family life and can, can, can connect over music or can connect over art. Absolutely. Like yeah. Just giving them the skills to do that and to, you know, be able to share music or share art in the way that they want, um, giving them space to do that as well, which is something that I'm really trying to push for. Art is such a powerful form of connection, especially when you think of music. Like if you think of what happened over COVID and how the music and arts industry was pretty 
pretty heavily impacted, especially in Nam. Um, and then you think of some other businesses and careers that went booming and how the environment and the creative arts sector is almost like pushed aside by our government a lot. But even when you're thinking about those people in high positions and how they would escape their day, daily lives, a lot of it's music and a lot of it's art in their own forms. Like I'm sure those old white men in those positions would be listening to a song when they get home to try and, you know, phase away everything or want to go to a Paul Kelly concert or, you know, yeah. things like that. Yeah. 100%. And like the same with like clubbing, right? Like, so you, you like have a hard day, hard week or whatever, and you just want to go out with your friends and go to a club or something. And like, how good is it to see just some first represent first person's um, representation up there, or to know that one of your homies is playing at this event? And like, you can it's so sick. You know, that's that I think is is like it's there's been so much change, and I have I'm really hopeful for the future. Like, um, but I'm that's what I really am pushing for is like more more of that. So, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Who would like? Who would be someone in the future that you would love to potentially work with? Can be black, can be white, anyone. If, if you had someone that you would love to work with, who would it be? Um, I don't know. I would love to just go to New York and just get involved in like the underground scene there, to be honest. Yeah, like, like, the, the, yeah. like Detroit kind of scene? Yeah, or? yeah. Like just get involved in like that dirty, gritty, like queer scene that, um, I mean, I come from... Oh, I know. Uh, so there's this guy called Is Not, and he's a graffiti writer from New York. And I'm sure if anyone listening to this knows me, I've spoken about this guy a lot, and I have a couple of shirts with his face on it. But <laughs> so he's um, just this big, like buff, like proud um, African American graffiti writer from the Bronx, and. I remember when I was younger and I was just doing graffiti and struggling with my sexuality. I would see interviews with this guy and he would just be like, um, I'm not sure if I can swear on here, but you know, go for it. He call, he's like, call me a faggot one more time and I'll knock you out. And like, you know, it tells us a story where he just like doesn't take shit from anyone and is just proud of who he is and just doesn't give a shit. And that was someone that I was like, when I was younger, I was looking up to and I was like, yeah, I want to be that strong and that proud of just like, you know, who you are. And yeah, so that would be someone I would love to collaborate with, like just do some art or something with him. Um, but yeah, then just go to like Detroit or whatever and just get lost in that sort of where techno essentially started. And um, yeah. See what's going on in that like underground world. Yeah, just like put things back in perspective. Cause I think for me, like you get, especially during COVID, we've all been locked down in our own little worlds. And like, I feel Perth is, it's great. Like there's so much happening, but you kind of get lost in this bubble. And I just want to like, I would love to just sort of see what's out there and just reground sort of, and maybe oh, come back and bring, bring some of that like ideas and culture back to here and, and really actually try and, I don't know, bring some of that authentic originality back into, you know, into the spaces where it's not so like, yeah, curated and, you know, um, it's more free flowing and organic and yeah. creative. And it's just, there's so much positivity and love in diversity. And that word can be used so broadly. It can be used about the music, the people, the fashion, and like with our world being so diverse, that's what makes it so beautiful. Like no one wants to be the same. And it's so, it's so important that 
we have people in spaces that can represent different groups because like you said, he was someone that you looked up to when you were younger and not having people available for younger people. It just presents problems, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, it's hard when you're just looking like, especially when you're younger, you're like looking for someone that's like you so that you can kind of, you know, where to go. <laughs> or like, Literally. Know, is, there, is there a space for me? Like, you know, um, and that's, yeah, it's so important. Hey? Yeah. Well, I was talking to someone the other day as well. Like, so techno generally comes from that underground Detroit scene. Right. And then we, so putting it into perspective of someone that might be asking this question is white or of any, any sort of person that just doesn't understand why essentially we should be booking black, right? Because Aboriginal people aren't from Detroit. We didn't build techno music, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. What would you say to someone that says, why should we be booking black for, for techno events? Like what is an answer that you'd give for that? Yeah. Um, I would say like, like you said, like, we don't all want to be the same. Like, I think people of color, like even just anyone in general, but especially people of color, I guess, if you resonate more with the culture, you're more invested in a certain type of history or sound or, or I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's like a hard um, question. Hey, yeah, it's so hard. Like, well, yeah, I mean, there's so many things <laughs> for me, maybe I can bring it back to like an example. Like I played, um, new year's Eve last year and I went digging to try and find some Aboriginal tracks that were like dance orientated ones that I hadn't found before, but, um, really wanted to like use this opportunity to play to like a crowd of like a thousand or something and just play some like indigenous stuff. Um, yeah, and it was just a good opportunity to like, I played a couple of like, um, these old obscure CDs that I found off eBay and I managed to get them in time and I had to find like a, a CD to like rip the CD like into a digital file because no one has CD uh, drives anymore. Like, yeah, it's which, crazy. <laughs> which happened like overnight. Like I don't understand where <laughs> where they all went, but yeah, to track one of it. So I had to do that and then convert it to MP3 and then bring it into my mix and EQ it a little bit because it sounded dodge. Um, but I mean, that sort of thought is, you know, is why you could like wipes bring in someone of like first nations background into an event. Um, not to, not that they'll just play original tracks, but like, you no, know. but it's include like including that originality as well. So yeah. not that everything's the same. Also like music in general has the power to educate people on so many different levels. So mm-hmm. if we're having first nations play at these events on our land, mind you, <laughs> that brings more um, space to be able to educate people in like fun and creative ways. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. Like a, even um, in here in Perth, like there's an event that started recently called Networks um, run by Sepsi and NAFTA. And they're just two powerful um, women just doing their thing, but bringing a lot of Afro vibes and Afro sort of beats to club spaces that, and it was just really refreshing. You know, it was like this, oh, there's like, it felt like you could breathe and you could go somewhere where you're not gonna, just going to hear the same left field or acid or, you know, house stuff. It's just like, they're going to bring some of their culture into this space, which is what I'm here for. Like, you know, dude, Afrobeats yeah. is sick. Like 
that's why this this place in Melbourne Section Eight is so cool because they have nights where they have like Afro beats and then they'll have techno and then yeah. so you go there and you almost get like immersed in another culture as well, which is so cool. Like personally, I like I love learning about other cultures and other people because it's so different and refreshing rather than being in like a small bubble. Which through COVID we all had to, you know, yeah, didn't really have weird bubble. Yeah, that's true. Um, probably if you're going to come to the bird, I mean, to, to Burley, sorry, there's a place called the bird, which is probably quite similar to section eight, which I've, I have been to section eight, but yeah, if you're ever in Burley, you should check it out. Cause they do Absolutely. That. Like, Tuesday night, there might be Afrobeats, uh, Thursday, there's some techno and Friday, there's a live band, <laughs> you know, yeah, super dope. Um, yeah. And at this you- place too, like on, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but like, they won't just play every Saturday night. It's like techno or something. They'll go like, they'll change up the nights. Yeah. So different kinds of people can come and enjoy that on a Saturday night too. Yeah. So that, I guess that brings it to like that, that pushing from the venues, right? Like they're so aware of, of like creating diversity in spaces and not so much worried about curating this, like we're just a club known for this or we're just specifically this and we don't want anyone else. Like, and that, resonates with so many people and it becomes a hub where people can come and experience like could go to the bird and watch a rock gig because you just know that you're going to be in a safe space like you know you go to these places and it's like they got you know section eight they got the aboriginal flag it's like instantly like whatever they do here you just know that you're going to be all right like but you're safe yeah and that's it and it's not hard like i remember i mean they've recently started doing it here but offering free tickets to first nations people which i think is a no brainer. And obviously like the first thing that you can really do, like, um, but some, yeah, I saw it in Melbourne happen, happen quite a lot. And then it started to happen here, which is really nice. And, but there's still some events that are quite big that don't offer that. And it's like, I don't know, just when I see those events pop up and nothing, um, you know, no offer or nothing like that. No yeah. Or the least, the acknowledgement. I'm like, yeah. the least you can do is put an acknowledgement yeah, it's there. Like, you know, and I've had conversations with promoters about it as well. Like they're like, no one has hit me up. No one's taken me up on those free tickets. Like, what am I doing wrong? And it's like, you're not doing anything wrong. Like it's your job to do that. Like to put that in your, in your event and let people know that this, like, we know what land we're on you have free entry if you'd like um and leave it at that and then leave the door open for aboriginal mob to come through um you know the the main reason might be just that no one wants to come to your event (laughs) (laughs) your event's not cool enough and yeah yeah. you know let's not have a debate whether like this is doing enough or whether we should stop doing it and stuff it's like come on like just you know Hmm. i think the most important thing is just to start just somewhere because there's, I personally, I hate cancel culture. Um, I think that everyone has the, you know, in some instances, people do some pretty shitty things, but you know, it's all about education. And if you're open to being educated, I think that's something really powerful and especially music or anywhere, anyone has the power to start a conversation or hold a space for those conversations. So like booking black or booking diverse is just one easy step. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cancer culture is interesting. Hey, like I'm not one for, I think people are human and they do. Yeah. We make some pretty stupid mistakes, but also it's just like whether they learn from that experience and you give them that opportunity to, to grow from that, I think is, is important. Like it's, yeah, 
Absolutely. I don't think it's constructive at all to be like, you know, just you're over there now. Yeah, you're cancelled, but <laughs> yeah, for your but, whole life, like, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you spoke about your business before. What what business are you running? Uh, so I started a business two years ago, just as I was finishing TAFE last year. Um, and it's a graphic design business, essentially. So we started as graphic design um, and it's moved more into like cultural awareness, um, sort of more of like a mentoring uh, support role for First Nations mob in the graphic design creative industry here in Peru. Wow, sick. Yeah, so it, yeah, it basically started from the, from the graphic design in the way where like there just wasn't this, well, there still isn't many Aboriginal graphic designers in our industry. And I was like working in this agency and um, getting asked to do some pretty in inappropriate things. Like the senior designer was like, can you just put some dots on this? And I was like, like, no, I can't. Like, <laughs> Like I can't just whack some dots on this and make it look original. Like, you know, everyone's got their own style and you should, yeah, I just hated the way that um, I was pressured into doing something that I didn't want to do for the simple fact that I was Aboriginal and I could do it. Like, because, you know, they're like, oh, he's Aboriginal. He just, We're not know, all the same. Yeah. And I was like, like number one dots are from, you know, the um, desert region um, and it doesn't really apply to this, Anyway, it was all sorts of cultural reasons. And so I left that job and I was kind of working on my business on this on the side anyway. And I was um, just wanting to start something myself where I could have a bit more control over it and like cultivate a bit more of a safe space for for myself, <laughs> really. Um, but then also like translate that onto like, um, yeah, people that we I was hoping to employ, like, I guess I wanted to start a, a graphic design agency or a creative agency that just employed mob. That's um, really sick, you know, because I even recently I was looking for a graphic designer for mob talk and I'd been searching and searching. And I couldn't find, well, maybe it was how I was searching, but I couldn't find hardly any um, Aboriginal graphic designers. Yeah. So I was yeah, like, just, maybe that's just my search engine or maybe it's like, there's not many out there. Like it's, it's a weird feel, like it's a weird blurred thing. Yeah, definitely. Like there's so many artists, right? Like heaps of digital artists now. Cause I've had, there's so many, like it's pretty much graphic design, like, but the graphic design that I'm talking about is like when you go through, you know, you do a couple of years at TAFE or uni or whatever, mm -hmm. and it's more yeah. of a design thinking, like, so design is, is where you've got to like compromise and work to a brief and, and there's a lot of like, yeah, uh, yeah, compromise again, using that word, but yeah, there's a lot of that and the art is a bit more free flowing. Um, but the design side is like, is the stuff that there isn't many of us really like, and all the work is kind of being done by wadulas or white people. That's, mm -hmm. um, and that's what I'm trying to hope to bring some sort of visibility to is, is that, um, our mob can do more than just like art, like not, not that there's wrong with just doing art, but I want to try and inspire our mob to be like, you know, there's a career in, in actual graphic design or, um, comms or marketing or copywriting or, you know, anything in that creative industry. Cause and it's not just dot paintings and yeah. this certain, you know, you can, we are in a stage in our lives as Aboriginal people branching out into the world. Like we don't want to just be in this bubble of only being able to play did you do or dot paint and stuff like that. It's like, we're actually 
like our just our own experiences form our art and our creativeness and that's what we want to work with as well yeah for sure i think it's that is a lot of the stuff we do as well educating clients on what is aboriginal design because in their mind they're like oh can you just get this door painting and you know make it look like really indigenous and like that's exactly what we want and for me like it's pretty inappropriate for me to design stuff like that or even for me to um find an artist and expect that you know like yeah aboriginal art and culture isn't defined by dot painting like and a lot of people just generally are kind of like i feel like they just don't know like they don't understand they just that. don't know yeah. yeah and it's not their fault it's just like they just don't spend a lot of time thinking about it or living it or being around it and when they start to engage with aboriginal people or artists they um can either go about it inappropriately where they start to expect an artist does a certain style or you know they want it to be a certain way and it's like if you go into an artist you get them to do what they want to do tell the story how they want it to be told and don't pressure them into doing something that they don't feel comfortable with and i think for us yeah like as a studio or an agency we're trying to we do a lot of that education work like i do a lot of panel discussions and presentations so is that is that cultural awareness in terms of arts and creative stuff yeah yeah that's it yeah that's so it's really like, cool it's a lot of like yeah, just educating our, our industry on on what's appropriate and what's not because they're like it's pretty much the same like pretty similar to club culture here in perth like i go to these networking nights with all these industry heads and people that are creating all the advertisement around the city and all the messaging and all the marketing and all this stuff that's supposed to speak to our mob or even just the general public and it's all white people like and it's like how how is this like how's this happening <laughs> like where where's the representation and it's like i don't know whether it's just something that um, i haven't really seen ourselves doing like you know being or we, we didn't know if this was an actual career or i think it's know. having the opportunities as well like it's the resources yeah. to be able to know that that's out there and then it's the opportunities and then it's like a full scale cycle but yeah. social media has been like the god save sent whatever that saying is to yeah. us because for example i found you on instagram yeah i don't i would have never have known like you were a thing unless i saw it or festival or something like that yeah no definitely and a lot of i think a lot of people are wanting to go in that direction of helping and making things more inclusive and diverse and you know learning more but it's just having the resource to be able to do that yeah so i i think like making that we're, we try and pitch like Nani is, you know, we don't want to do all the work like in this space, but we can definitely help you with projects or with information. If you have questions on how to um, approach your project, or if you want advice on like the best way to go about it, we try and offer like, you know, I'm pre pretty open. I'm a pretty open book. Like I just want, our industry to be a safe space for our mob to come through because at the moment i feel there just is still a lot of learning that needs to be done within within the industry itself and like they're making big steps forward but there's you know there's it's a very fast-paced industry and there's a lot of people that just like generally don't give a shit <laughs> and it's but they'll be happy to take advantage of the culture like yeah you know, yeah for their own business and to make themselves look good but you know in the background 
like for example, I have a friend who worked with a like a big agency recently and asked her to do some artwork and they sent her some photos of like someone else's artwork. And they were like, can you make something like this? And I was just like, straight away, that's bullshit. No. But yeah. asking you to do something like someone else. And then they should just get that person if they want that. Yeah, exactly. Like you come to the original person because they have the value. They're the ones with the knowledge. They're the ones with the, the they're bringing the value to the project. So let them lead the charge. If you're going to be talking about Aboriginal culture, you let the Aboriginal person. Absolutely. It's, so. there's a, there's a, it's Aboriginal led, like for our organization, it's Aboriginal led community organization. So yeah. it's led by Aboriginal people. The decision-making is by Aboriginal people. And yeah. even when you're going in terms of like, um, I don't know when we do care work and stuff, it'll all be all be led by the Aboriginal person or the team and stuff like that. Yeah. And that's just the way we're going to do it moving forward. Yeah, for sure. So I guess bringing it back to that, like club culture, it's like my dream, like hopefully next year is to just train up some mob and throw an event where it's just first nations mob and, and let that really, cause yeah, I mean, there's so many like promoters here and they're trying to get more diversity and stuff. And I'm, and I'm like, at the end of the day, it would just, like the best events are just when Bob just like, you know, throw it themselves and take control over that. And, and, you know, yeah. So. You don't actually be really sick. Sorry. But if we threw like a massive, almost like day and it was just all first nation DJs, Mm -hmm. how sick would that be? Yeah. Massive event. It will happen. Yeah. (laughs) It's just a matter of when. (laughs) <laughs> and organizing yeah. it but I, i'm manifesting yeah. that that's going to be a thing soon yeah straight up yeah so what is your what's your company name just so everyone out here can know about you guys do you have a handle do you have instagram like what's the yeah name? so it's nani creative so n-a-n-i creative and nani is the matawonga word for rabbit um and that's just yeah we're on nani.com.au on the internet and on instagram if you type that in but yeah, I'm not that great on Instagram to be completely honest. It's a whole new medium, like not a whole new medium, but like just not that I don't come from a marketing background. So um, yeah, still. It's a constant so, thing. You have to like keep kind of, updated. Yeah. Yeah. People just want more and more. Literally, um, though, I feel you even with mob talk sometimes I'm like, shit, like, yeah. like I'm good at talking, but I don't know about this whole like posting every day thing. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Keeping uh, people connected and engaged. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, what are your, what are your top five? Like, thank, thank you for saying that about your company, by the way, I'll link that in the oh, that's description right. as well. Um, but what are your top five lists, uh, top five songs on your track list at the moment? Oh God. <laughs> and this is going to rack your brain, but <laughs> give people some recommendations of maybe even something they should be listening to. Um, okay. Well, like anything by Eros Drew. I love Eros Drew so much. Like the music is incredible. Um, I really love like weird broken beady stuff. And yeah, Eros Drew seems to capture that every single time. So I think they is just that like new... drum and bass. Uh, it's like left field house, like housey okay. tracks. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if you know, like Octo Octa as well. That's Eros Drew's partner. Um, but is it Octo yeah. Octa? Um, Octo Octa. So yeah. Just, How do you spell that? Um, O-C-T-A. Yeah. Oh, Octa. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, nice. Um, super cool. Um, also, um, there's an album by 
Outcast, <laughs> the one before Atlians. Um, oh, so like old school track. Yeah, well, that's, yeah. So, so that's hip hop. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I love Outcast's old stuff. Like, I hate saying that, like, the old stuff was really good, <laughs> but. But that was you can't really hate good. the old stuff though. <laughs> like that was the shit we grew up on. Yeah, I remember yeah. being like eight years old and listening to all these like remember the hip hop back in the days of it. No, even like two thousands music. Yeah, that yeah. was like yeah, that was yeah. insanely cool back yeah, then. Y2K. Still is. There's a few Y2K parties coming up soon in Perth. Actually, yeah, <laughs> bringing back like you DJing. Um, nah, not for those ones, but I'll be attending. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. Are you um, um are you DJing anywhere in Nams anytime soon? Nah, well, uh, hopefully soon. Yeah. I was talking to Paul earlier. Um, maybe something might happen, but he's actually coming over here in February. So I'm going to try and get him to play for me. Um, yeah, but hopefully, hopefully soon. Like I do plan on coming over because my brother's over and I'm he's living over there at the moment. So I will be over at some point, um, which I would just, I guess, let a couple people know they're coming. <laughs> but either way, either way, it'd be cool to yeah, just catch up and see some people in real life that I haven't actually met yet. So mm, absolutely. Um, music wise, I don't know. I don't have another three. So <laughs> well, see. we'll just we'll go that. It's Erisfield. Erisfield, is it? Um, Eris Drew. Eris Drew. Eris Drew. So, I don't know yeah. where I got filled from. Eris Drew, yeah. Octa Octa, and Outcast. Yeah, just like put that old outcast. Don't not none of that new shit. <laughs> none of that new shit. Get on that old shit. Everyone watching, everyone listening, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. Thank you so much for coming on today. It's been sick. No, thanks for inviting me. It's, no, uh, it's been really cool. I love connecting with other Aboriginal creatives as well. Like I wouldn't say I'm necessarily creative, but I love being that space for. Well, mob talk is partly that space for people to be able to use as a resource as well. Like you got up. Paul, you got you, you got, you know, we've got Ben Long, who's a footy player. Like you can come and see all these awesome Aboriginal people doing really cool things. Yeah, definitely. I love this because I listened to Paul's one the other day and haven't actually heard him speak before. Uh, and I was like, fuck, this is great. Like, <laughs> he's actually so, so good. I reckon that was one yeah. of my favorite podcasts. Like he just, he's a really good talker too. Yeah, no, he's really, he's yeah, very deadly. <laughs> very cool. But um, thanks for coming on today. It's been great, guys. Oh, do you want to link? Do you want to link? Do you want to say your Instagram and or like if if you have something that people can connect with you on? Yeah, I mean, I'm all over Instagram. I'm just on there every day, so it's probably the best way to get at me if you do want to. But it's just two bit grifter, so two bit grifter. Um, yeah, just an old handle that I stole from a graffiti movie once and it doesn't really mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> it just means you're really bad at racking stuff. Like, yeah. That is um, so not, funny. Not a very good grifter. You're just a low quality one. Well, like so, you can't like rack things, like steal things. Yeah, yeah. So Too big grifter, I'm going to use that. Yeah, I don't know if I'm like, if it reflects who I am anymore. Like it was definitely, it, if you look on my Instagram, it's just like all those old photos are just like freight trains and just, you know, general, um, being, you know, a nuisance, um, but yeah. Being anyway. a youth. <laughs> just being, being a naughty youth. Yeah. Being an um, experimental youth, I'll say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's important, like, right, just to, I don't know, um, fuck around for a bit, but I just had, yeah, you know, just land, you always land somewhere. And That's spend. life. You just live, you learn. That's right, yeah. You breathe, you book black artists. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, book black artists. <laughs> Please.
<laughs> yeah, but thanks for coming on. Do people call you Kevin? Like, what do people call you? Kev, Kevin? Just Kev, yeah. Kev, yeah. all right. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks yeah. for coming on, Kev, and it's been no really sick to have you here. It's, yeah, it's really nice to be on with you as well. Thanks, everyone, for joining us on Mob Talk this week. If you like this podcast, please share it with your friends and don't forget to chuck us a follow on Instagram. And we'll see you all for another yarn soon. Mm-hmm.